Hello from the Clio Cloud Conference online everywhere you might be. I'm Lawrence Coletti. And I'm Mitch Jackson. And we're on the road with Legal Talk Network. back. Thank you so much for joining us on the road. It's a real pleasure to be here. And uh, today we've got a great guest. We've got Mitch Jackson. He's the senior partner and founding attorney of Jackson and Wilson, but he's also an author of the topic that we're going to be talking about today. He's author of The Ultimate Guide to Social Media for Business Owners, Professionals, and Entrepreneurs. So uh, before we get to our topic today, we've got to meet our guest here. Welcome to the show, Mitch. How you doing? Lawrence, it's good to be here. Let's give credit where it's deserved. I had 46 global experts contribute chapters to the book, which makes it extra special. I like surrounding myself with excellence, just like I am right now on this podcast. And it's good to be here. And I'm excited about this topic. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm excited too. I got a chance to check out your presentation. I got to about three-fourths of it, and then I hung out for uh, a good chunk of the uh, Q&A session at the end, which I also got a lot out of. I think there were some really great questions that that were uh, uh, posed to you. So um, let's get into that. So uh, uh, Mitch, you presented at a session called Amplify Your Legal Firm and Brand with Social Media. And so it's a great presentation. You know, I thought uh, you walked through a lot of the platforms and gave a lot of really terrific examples. But one of the things, that really resonated with me was your discussion about relationships. And so you said when you're on social media, you're not using it to market, but you're using it to build relationships. So my opening question, you know, tell us about that philosophy and why it's so important when using social media. I'm glad you started off our conversation with that. It's so important, especially for the lawyers and other professionals listening to this podcast episode. I don't think anybody in the world likes to be marketed to, especially, or unless you're a marketer, right? And with COVID-19, with what we're all going through right now, with our worlds turned upside down, I think people are craving uh, positive human interaction. I think people want to connect and uh, the relationships that they weren't able to have, that they can't have now, that they were enjoying before COVID hit, I think we can reintroduce and work on using social media, using live video, using podcasts, using interviews like this to connect with with other human beings. And I think once lawyers realize that if they use social to add value, to add immediate value, to instantly answer consumers' questions, to bring value to the conversation and give and give and give some more without ever asking for anything in return by earning your audience's trust by um, being there and listening when someone has something to say and then and only then stepping in and maybe getting them going to the right blog post, the right YouTube video that you've you've put together over the years. I think that's the way you build relationships. And by building relationships, I think you build trust. And by building trust, I think you create a situation where referrals and new business come your way. Well, in your presentation, you had kind of the main structure part was uh, dedicated to three pillars to social media. And we've kind of breached into the first one a little bit. And so that one's called the right mindset. And then there was another one called uh, personalities of each platform. And the last part of uh, the three pillars was communication. But uh, when you get back to the right mindset, we've definitely kind of gotten into it a little bit. But uh, I had a pseudo recent reminder of being in the right mindset. I remember when the uh, pandemic first started to occur you know, and obviously it didn't break out everywhere across the country evenly or at the same time specifically, you know. And so uh, 
I remember there was a lot of marketing going on. People were kind of doing business as usual while it was beginning to break out. And some of those companies were getting a lot of flack and blowback for doing that, you know, kind of saying that it was tone deaf to be advertising your services and whatnot while the pandemic was going on. And uh, one of the things, you know, because we do social media, I was like, well, those are probably automated, you know, uh, posts going out. They're uh, pre-scheduled. And there's probably a staff behind that that just got them locked and loaded the week before and just could not react sure. fast enough. But uh, getting back to it, you know, that personal factor being in that right mindset, I just want to build on that and just, you know, kind of tap into some of your observations during that time. Absolutely. I think for companies, for lawyers using automated uh, systems and programs, that was the time to hit the pause button. It was the time to stop the marketing and start listening and helping. I know when the pandemic hit, we went live uh, on a show where one of my friends and clients who has a barbershop in town was toying around with reopening, working with the local city council, local police. And so what she and I did is she and her husband and I did a live video there down at the shop. I was using one of the services that I recommended during today's presentation. And we had a live video conversation and inviting the audience members and community members in to talk about the pros and cons of opening it up. And if they do open up, what is, you know, what's safe social distancing? What are the California rules and regulations? We then piggybacked that show with a conversation on another show. I think it was a podcast talking about liability, liability waivers and releases. What type of documentation can companies use with their employees? What can employees, what should they or should they not enter into uh, when it comes to health and safety issues? What should customers be looking at when walking into a place of business and being asked to sign a waiver or a release? Very upbeat, positive programs, but they were purposefully designed to deal with the issues that were being dealt with that first month of the pandemic. And so by pausing your marketing campaigns that have nothing to do with what's going on with the world and instead being proactive and creating unique, engaging, memorable, sometimes entertaining uh, content that actually helps educate the consumer, helps educate the business owner, helps make everyone aware, for example, of certain health and safety uh, needs and considerations. I think that's the kind of content that people want to digest. They want to have available to them. Now, whether or not it's a pandemic or whether it's a, a political issue, maybe it's a new law that's coming down. I think every single day there's the opportunity for lawyers to newsjack a breaking news story, share their unique perspective on that story in a positive way, get it out on Twitter and Periscope and Facebook, Facebook Live, LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, to the reporters, to the community. And what happens is they will reach out for to get their questions answered, for interviews online, or more traditional offline television interviews in the studios. So it's just a matter of being aware of what's going on around you and then creating helpful, useful, engaging content to, to help people that are experiencing whatever it is they may be going through. I think that's the secret to using social media. Well, I definitely want to get into the news uh, jacking portion of that uh, later on in this interview. I think it's really great information. But uh, I want to talk about personalities for each of the platforms. And, you know, it seems 
every time I think I've figured out the social media game, the platform makes an update <laughs> and uh, the, everything shifts around. And so, you know, just me, yeah. uh, kind of a, my own uh, consumption of social media, you know, I, I'm a little more dressed down on LinkedIn, you know, and, and it's even to the point where I kind of pick and choose the people that I follow. I'm a little, I wouldn't say selective. I'm just a little more careful with LinkedIn, whereas uh, Twitter, I kind of open that up. You know, as many people as want to follow me, that's fine. And, uh, you know, that one, I don't get into too much trouble. It's, uh, you know, professional, but it's also some fun stuff too. I like to engage with people and, you know, do, I call it friendly trolling where if they uh, post a picture of their cat, you know, I give them, I, I give them, you know, I'll tell a little joke about cats or something <laughs> like that. But uh, you know, that's what I like to do. You know, Instagram, it's personal stuff, you know, a lot of like food and, you know, activities for the weekend. And then like Facebook kind of similar to uh, Twitter, I treat it that way. But, uh, you know, you talked about personalities for each of these platforms and the importance behind understanding that before you really engage. And so can you walk us so. through that just a little bit? Sure. So the book's broken down into three sections. The first section is having the right mindset, being a go-giver. The second section is understanding and appreciating and learning how to tap into the different personalities of each social media platform, which is what we're talking about right now. And the last part, it has to do with effective communication and learning how to create engaging, entertaining, and persuasive communication tweets and messages that empower your audience to take action. Those are the three important sections. If you're not doing all three, I don't think social is generally speaking going to work for you. With respect to the personality of the platforms, it's kind of a catch-22 because if you're sharing the same content on Twitter that everyone else is because that's the quote-unquote personality of Twitter, right? it can be difficult to become top of mind on the platform, especially if you're a lawyer. So I actually think people should change things up a little bit. Give themselves permission to push the envelope. Uh, push the envelope on Twitter as to what everyone else is tweeting. Tweet about something different. Include a short video. Include a, a short uh, GIF that everyone can laugh at, comment about. Um, something unusual that most lawyers don't tweet. Uh, after today's session, before I went for a run, what I did is I recorded just, just a quick recording, thanking everybody at Clio for a great event, oh, acknowledging nice. the keynote speakers. But I just got it done. It took about five minutes and I just put it out on my platforms. And a lot of people are responding. A lot of people you know, are, are sharing comments back and forth. But here's the thing. I could have just tweeted something out and thanked everyone, or I could have taken an extra five minutes like I did and actually share a video um, thanking everyone and then taking the time to tag the keynote speakers and Cleo in the tweet. And that's how people will, that's why they'll retweet. That's why they'll take the time to comment. Um, it's just doing something a little different. So what works on Twitter may not work very well on LinkedIn. What works on LinkedIn may not be the best way to share content on Instagram, TikTok, or Snap. But once you get a feel for the platforms and what the audience is looking for, instead of thinking to yourself, what do you want to share, turn things around. What does the audience of this particular platform, what do they want to see? How can I communicate my message from the heart, tapping into my legal expertise, my perceived expertise? How can I share content in that format that people are going to want to see? So on TikTok, for example, when I share five steps to persuasion. And that's the kind of stuff I'll share on TikTok. Or my, the funniest thing that's happened to me in trial over the last 10 years, you have 60 seconds to share your message. On TikTok, you're going to break those five steps down, maybe into five different hand movements pointing at a different 
description that you're pointing to that you're adding later with some music that's catchy, that's popular, that's be, that's trending on TikTok. And when you put all this together, you've got a TikTok that's getting a lot of views, it's getting a lot of shares. It's something that people are swiping and stopping and watching, and they're listening to the music they want to listen to while they're watching your talk. It's just about understanding the personalities and then playing upon them in a positive and constructive way to get the traction that most people are probably looking for. Well, so far, we've been talking about a little bit more shorter form versions of social media, maybe with the exception of uh, LinkedIn. That can be, you can certainly put articles in there. But, uh, you know, getting back to communication, and this is something I'm reminded on a daily basis is always very important. You've got to be a good communicator. And so you have five steps for persuasion. Uh, it's a, a five step persuasion process. And you use it, you kind of set it up as a blog example. And, you know, people often forget that blogs are also social media. And I argue sure. one of the most important things that lawyers can do as experts. Experts, but I want to get into that when we get to uh, the newsjacking part of this. But uh, just real quickly as you can, so we can transition to a couple other questions I have. Um, you know, communication, those five steps towards uh, persuasion that you shared. I'd really like to uh, have the audience hear that because I think even with short form communication, I think there's some wisdom in each one of these. And you could actually craft a blog post around these five steps, whether you are negotiating in court, you're at a mediation, you're creating a social media post, you're you're discussing with your family what movie you want to watch on Netflix on a Friday night. These are the steps that work really well for me. Number one, you want to state the problem. What's the problem that needs to be addressed? State the problem in the form of a story. Use metaphors. Depending on the severity of the problem, it may take 30 seconds. It may take 30 minutes. Step one, state the problem. Number two, agitate the problem. If we don't solve this problem and use emotion, um, how is this going to turn our lives upside down? What's going to happen to the client? Why will we be wasting our Friday night watching the wrong Netflix movie when we could have been educated watching, you know, Shit's Creek, right? Number three, <laughs> offer a solution. Offer a clear and concise solution. And by the way, each of these steps can be done in a storytelling type of format. Number four, show how your solution will help your specific audience. If it's in court, it's a jury of 12. If you're home, it's your family. Step five, a call to action. Traditional call of action may work. I may have a jury go back and come back with a, with a verdict of $5 million, and this is where I want them to write in the verdict amount on the verdict form that's blown up and I'm standing in front of. Or if it's on social media, my call to action is much more subtle. It is, listen, if you guys got value from today's YouTube video, definitely just jump on over to streaming.lawyer, connect with me there, and let's continue the digital dance. That's my social media call, uh, call to action. I think those five steps work, especially when you're writing, when you're doing a video, or when you're creating an, uh, a podcast. So uh, during during the course of the Q and A session, Nefer Ann McDonald, she was the moderator for for your session, and she's she's the uh, st- uh, she handles strategic partnerships at Clio. But one of the questions she asked you about was being likable, and this reminded me of a conversation I think I had moments before I saw that with Jordan Couch. Uh, of course, he's a friend of ours from Palace Law Office. He and Patrick Palace, but uh, he was joking online that he got his job through Twitter, and I I did some of my friendly trolling. I said, I, you know, I'm really glad to hear that because most people lose their jobs for things 
things they do on Twitter. And so <laughs> likewise, you know, that that likable part, um, I think you handle this very well because, you know, uh, lawyers have this opportunity with their great expertise to weigh into issues, but you got to be careful how you do that. And so I liked what you said in terms of handling people different than issues. So can you kind yeah. of build upon that like uh, likable question and then um, sure. you know, the importance of being likable and then the importance of, foc- of focusing on people and issues separately? So full credit where credit is due, and that goes to Bob Berg. Bob Berg is a dear friend of mine. He's also the co-author of the Go-Giver book series. And if you guys, if you guys, if everyone out there have has not read Adversaries into Allies, please read the book. It's a great people skills book. It's Adversaries into Allies. And in the book, what Bob talks about is when you're in a heated debate or you have a difference of opinion with someone else, whether it's on social media or in the courtroom, separate the people from the problem. You can be hard on issues, but be kind to people. And Bob points out tack is, I'm probably going to mess this up, but tack is the ability uh, to tell someone, you know, I'm not even going to go there. I'm going to let everyone read the book. But, you know, (laughs) but here's the thing. Lawyers on social media we have the ability most of the time to just shut anybody down that we want to with our skill, with our expertise, our knowledge of the law, whatever it might be. You're not going to win those battles and there's no reason to do that on social. What's best is to simply try to keep things easygoing, try to keep things positive. You don't have to respond to every tweet, to every comment, uh, to every uh, post on LinkedIn. But what you can do is always try to add value. I did share the book a friend of mine, Jay Bear wrote. It's called Hug Your Haters. And it's a great book that teaches you how to deal with, you know, unfriendly comments, with trolls, and with other types of negative comments on social media. It's a great read. And Jay lays out exactly what attorneys should do when they come across these issues on social. I'm happy to say though, 99% of the engagement I get on social is positive, it's fun, it's entertaining, it actually makes practicing law fun again. And I don't know how many lawyers you've spoken to who have been doing this for 34 years, but not as many of them as, as I would like to see are as happy to get up in the morning as I am to practice law. I love what I'm doing and one of the reasons is because of the digital social media communities. All right. So last question, but I really want to get to this because I think this is red meat, you know, because one of those valuable takeaways that we can get from this podcast episode. And so you talked about newsjacking. And so I had to look that up because I, I really didn't know what it was. You know, I was like, is this hijacking? What is this like newsjacking? So it sounded a little nefarious, but then I looked it up and it's like, oh, okay, I gotcha. Really great concept. And so uh, one of the things we get asked a lot on Legal Talk Network, a lot of people will pitch us a story or they'll ask, you know, how can I get on more, you know, podcasts? How can I be on more uh, news programs? You know, how can I get feedback? featured and interviewed. And so one of the things I tell them is that, you know, the the tools that lawyers have, uh, more so than I I would say most professions, lawyers are good writers for the most part. And they're experts and they can really break down issues. They have a tremendous potential to contribute to the space and to review stories and concepts and ideas and break them down. And so I always recommend lawyers start with a blog, you know, uh, 
just like you said, you know, uh, current events and things like that, you know, lawyers have that unique ability to break those issues down. So why not share that on your blog and keep writing? And, uh, you know, also on your website, put put a place there for uh, media personalities to contact you, something you'll, uh, you know, call them back super quick, uh, be part of uh, the story or call them back right away and say, I can call you back in 30 minutes after this consult. But do that and be involved. And that's like the best place to start. But uh, you have this, uh, this thing called newsjacking, which I really like because I think that lands not just with people in the legal community, but I think that lands with um, just kind of the regular population of folks that are not lawyers. We call them legal muggles on Legal Talk Network, but you call this thing called newsjacking. So explain uh, what that is to us and how uh, lawyers can leverage that to build exposure and to build their brand. Absolutely. So David Merriman Scott, who who's a gifted marketer and speaker, actually connected with me and he gets full credit for newsjacking. His definition is newsjacking is the art and science of injecting your ideas into a breaking news story to generate tons of media coverage, get sales leads and grow your business. And I had been doing this for a long time. I didn't know that's what it was called, but that's how David and I crossed paths. By newsjacking and talking about the breaking news stories from the 30,000 foot level, you don't have to dive deep just because you're a lawyer. Uh, when Paul Manafort was indicted, I immediately did a blog post and then took that blog post and we shared it on Twitter. We did a couple of short videos that complimented the blog post, but immediately, and that's the secret, immediately you've got to jump in. And we just talked about what does it mean if you're indicted or what do you do if you're indicted? And yes, we use Manafort's as an example in the blog post, because that's what allowed Google and reporters to pick up on it. But we shared our thoughts on in the state of California, from a criminal standpoint, from a civil standpoint, what are six or seven things you need to pay attention to? Whatever that breaking news story is, whether it's COVID-19, whether it's a celebrity being arrested for drunk driving, whether it's somebody posting, a celebrity posting naked videos or photographs on Instagram, which is a case that we were asked to comment about regarding the Kardashians. These are all things that people, for whatever reason, enjoy reading about, watching, and listening to. And so if you train yourself to pay attention and have the mindset, it's the newsjacking mindset where every single day there's something going on. And what I like to do is I like to comment whether it's on a Periscope Live, which is Twitter Live, on a Facebook Live. I like to immediately share my thoughts. I always give a positive spin to what I'm talking about. And what we now do is because of the relationships that we built with reporters from across the world, we will then in a segmented uh, email message, if it's a sports uh, celebrity scandal that I want to share my two cents on in a newsjacking effort, then we'll take that blog post and we'll share the link with 30 or 40 uh, sports news writers across the country who will then come back and interview us or ask us to share additional comments in that fashion. So it's been a very powerful way for us to expand our brand from local to global just by talking about the stories that we're all talking about anyway. David has a book on Amazon. It's called Newsjacking. I think it's five or six dollars. It's been out for a long time. It's a great read. And I think any lawyer could read that book in about 30 minutes and really and, and master newsjacking within an hour or two of practice. That's how easy it is. It's just most people aren't using this technique 
to generate content, to share their opinions, to develop their perceived expertise, and when it's all said and done, to build their brand on social media. You know what I think is so great about that particular tactic is that it takes this shared experience between an expert and a non-expert, uses shared experience, an attorney can parlay an opportunity to share expertise. And in, in what the, the non-lawyer gets, the non-expert gets, is this expertise, this trusted expertise. But I just love how that's bridged uh, over with a uh, shared common experience. I think that's what makes that such a powerful tool in the toolbox. Lawrence, can I uh, just share two more ideas on the same topic I did not talk about uh, earlier today, but it's worked really well for me. Another thing you can do is you can blog or, or podcast or create short videos while you're in trial. Uh, Karen Collar, who's up in Washington State, she's one of the top trial lawyers in the country. She's doing this right now on her email list. She just started trial three days ago, and she blogs each and every day about what went down in trial. And she was Washington State Trial Lawyer of the Year. She handled uh, one of the uh, high-profile duck boat drowning cases. But she's doing this right now. And you can write about short daily newsjacking stories, or you can do what Karen's doing and write about your trials. I've done this too. It kind of It's a great stress reliever late at night before you go to bed to just, just pound out in a blog post what happened today, make it interesting, pull the curtains back, let your audience know what's happening between, you know, behind the scenes. Some other things I've done is, if you rem- remember the uh, Amanda Knox case, yes, the young lady that was uh, being tried for murder in Italy, so while that case was in trial, while it was going down every day, I was blogging about, it was a ongoing blog. I would add to it each day with the most recent part of the post towards the top, along with the date about what was happening each day, what it meant. If this was in America, how would that issue have been resolved? And oh, I did the same thing with the Oscar Pistorius uh, case, uh, the South African Olympian special Olympian who was accused of murdering his wife and eventually found guilty. And so we were writing about that case over the course of two to three weeks. So that was the content that we were putting out at the time. And people were following us because they weren't getting updates because these things are happening on the other side of the world. I thought it was interesting. And I also thought it was an interesting opportunity to share the difference between the law in South Africa or the law in Italy and how that issue would have been handled in the United States. So that's more of a long tail type of uh, news jacking that's fun to do if you're into this kind of stuff. And I can tell you that that my audience, the consumers, they really enjoyed uh, being kept up to date on what was happening. Well, it looks like we've reached the end of the road for today's episode, but I want to thank our guest, Mitch Jackson, for joining us today. Thank you, Mitch. Thank you, Lawrence. It was my pleasure. And also want to thank our listeners for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please rate and leave us a review in your favorite podcasting app. We'll see you next time for another episode of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook. Or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.